1: And welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach us the show by emailing us, championshiproundtable
2: at gmail.com. Hi, Paul Binning, at The Exiled Robin on Twitter, Bristol City fan and blogger.
3: I'm Matt Cutler, Aston Villa fan, sports journalist, and you can find me at Matty Cutler on Twitter.
2: Thanks so
1: much for joining us today, guys. We'll start making the rounds where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, None of our teams have played this weekend, but there were matches in midweek, so we can, we can start there. Paul, what were your thoughts on uh, Bristol City's performance in the week, and what are your uh, overall thoughts on how things are going? Because it's changed somewhat since you last come on, you've got a couple of good results. And,
2: yeah, and just... we, had, we had a couple of results come our way. It was a, it was a funny one on um, the Tuesday night, I, went I can't remember, which night Tuesday night I think it was um yeah we were at Leeds you know I think you know looking at the position of the two clubs in the table didn't really expect anything out of the game and, and we didn't get the result but again I guess I've said this quite a lot on these podcasts this season we've been we seemed a bit unlucky Your first goal was a blatant foul on our defender I mean a really you know indisputable foul it should have been a free kick second goal was a big deflection and their goalkeeper was man of the match so you know on the face of that it sounds really unlucky but unfortunately we seem to be really unlucky most weeks um so yeah, it was first defeat in four if you're looking at it glass half full if you're looking at it glass half empty we only beat rotherham who everyone beats we threw away a three-goal lead at derby and yeah did, did actually play not too badly at home to Sheffield wednesday so really difficult to gauge i think how our last four or five games have gone you know is it an upturn in form that's actually going to see us okay once we play some teams that aren't in the top six or is it just a uh, you know, sort of little flicker that's just showing we're not good enough? It's really, really tricky to work that out. And I think that the next four or five games will be interesting for us. We've got some good challenges coming up, in, uh, including trips to Newcastle and Villa in the next ten days, and in and around that, there we're home to Fulham and home to Burton, which really, uh, you know, really important matches for us to go and get something out of. And especially after Burton's win, yes, that was an awful result for us, all of us down at the bottom.
1: I just want to ask you quickly on your summer, uh, not summer sorry, January signings because you made a few in January. Yeah. I just want to know your thoughts on those. Are, are there any that stand out?
2: <laughs> yeah, there's, they, they seem quite good in the main. I think uh, um Hegler has come in from Germany. Some I must admit, never heard of him before. My, you know, he's come in looks very assured, a very composed, good footballer. Um, he's a sort of centre back, um, centre half, uh, sorry, centre midfielder, and. We've seemed to have slotted him into that defensive midfield role, and he looks very, uh, very strong, good good quality player. And we've got him a bit of a sniff, apparently. Um, Milan Juric is coming up front. He's a big six foot six Bosnian international striker. Um, scored against Wales in the qualifier if you follow the domestic sides before Euros. And you know, he looks a good option. I think you know he's not necessarily going to be first choice this season with Tammy Abraham on loan. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk about him a little bit more later. He looks a good option. He's he a real handful. Um, holds the ball up well. He, you know, he, he he caused problems on Tuesday night when he came on. Um, who else? Bailey Wright. We signed from Preston. Um, second and a half. He's come in. He's already been sort of made captain in the absence of two or three of our other possible captains. Um, I think he looks quite assured as well, uh, and you know, added a little bit of organisation to the defence. But saying now we're still conceding on average two goals every game. So something's still not right back there. The goalkeeper we signed, um, another German guy, he's, looks a little bit dodgy at the moment. I guess, you know, sometimes it does take time to adapt, as we saw. You know, you see right at the top level David De Gea, but he does look a little bit shaky at times. And I think he's the fourth, fourth, fifth goalkeeper we've tried this year. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully he comes good. I know in the main, I think we've added well to our squad. We've got a strong squad. We've Compared to what we've had in the past, certainly it's a much stronger sort of first 15-16 than we've had in the previous seasons we've gone down in the last 10 years much, much stronger and we really shouldn't be where we are and I think, you know, top six earlier in the season when we were flying well was probably a little bit over overboard but we certainly aren't a bad enough side to be down at 20th, 21st position and something needs to change to, to make that to happen.
1: Yeah, moving on to Villa now, Matt. Villa an interesting one to me because uh, you spent a lot of money and, and the sign is that you made are relatively good in, in my view. Yeah, we spent an
3: insane but, amount of money and not just in the summer, but also in the winter. Sorry, Matt, I'll cut you off
1: then. That's, that's all right. I was just going just gonna to say I, I I thought it's weird because I, I think that you've got a good manager the play. You brought in and not, uh, they're championship players, and, and I've been thinking that you, you're the favorites to win the title next year, so it makes the last few results a bit weird. But I just want to know your thoughts on, on the situation.
3: Yeah, well, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you yeah, know, it's interesting times at the moment to say the least. Um, well, well we, you know, we haven't had a game yet by the time this, this podcast goes out, but um, off the back of you know, um, valentine's day massacre at home to you know losing at home to barnsley which um you know my girlfriend wasn't happy sitting there on valentine's day sitting you know well listening to the the barnsley game um yes so yeah so off the back of the barnsley result which you know uh we've lost how many in a row now i think four in a row haven't won since boxing day so it's not great times at all and i and, and I, I have to say, I think it must be directly connected to the transfers, right, Jake, I mean, you you mentioned it just then. We've got so many new players coming in, um, so many so many good players, and I, I don't think bad players just become bad players overnight or you know over the, the course of a month. So it's got to be a case of fitting them in. I think Steve Bruce doesn't quite know what his starting eleven is, and not only does he not know his preferred starting eleven, he doesn't know his preferred formation. So. It's just messing about with all kinds of things trying five three two trying a four four two with uh, different sets of players and so you know, it's pretty difficult to uh and particularly off the back of you know, you know a bad result after a bad result it's pretty hard to, to pick it up when it's not the same team week in week out um so my kind of long answer to that is I don't really know what's happening but I'm hoping that Steve Bruce is going to find out, you know, Steve, you know if, if Steve Bruce isn't the manager, then who is the manager? You know, is the guy who has the credentials to take teams out of the championship into the Premier League. Um, and, we, you know, and I'm sure he hasn't had a club like Villa before. He's had the ability to spend as much as he wants to spend on the players he wants to get in. Um, so I'm hoping that he's going to work out his his preferred formation, his preferred starting eleven, and hopefully we'll go on a run of form Um and if that doesn't happen, then I don't quite know what to what to think.
1: <laughs> and, and Matt, I'll just ask you the same question that I asked Paul about the uh, January signings. Because I, I thought that Villa, Villa seemed like they knew a lot, like the players they were targeting were a lot better than the ones they were targeting in the summer. Uh, I thought Horahan was a particularly good signing. Um, and, and the other guy from from uh, Barnsley as well. It seems like there's a, a little bit more sort of... Uh, an approach to bring in championship players with Scott Hogan as well so how have they sort of settled in uh, and have they made an impact yeah I
3: think uh, Hurahans and, and Lansbury in particular uh, the two I think who look most comfortable about new signings um, it's, it's pretty hard to keep track on who's, who's coming in and who's coming out Hogan you know, Hogan's played well he signed the day after or sort of the evening we lost to Brentford um, so he obviously wasn't playing. But he's played, you know, it doesn't seem to be currently, well, you know, it's, it's a bit harsh because he's only played like a couple of games or three games uh, without a goal. So it's pretty harsh to kind of criticise him for that. Um, uh, Bjarnason's the one who's most interesting. Where he, he, I mean, he doesn't look fit for a start. Bjarnason, for anyone who don't know, is this uh, midfielder we got from Basel. Um, you know, everyone kind of remembers him from that game where Iceland beat Villa, uh Iceland beat Villa. Iceland beat England in the in the in the Euros. Good, obviously a good player, good experience. Uh, but came in. Uh, well, he came in from Barzan. I think they have a winter break. I could be wrong about that. So I think he hadn't played football for a while. But I think the one disappointing one, particularly for, and I think a lot of Villa fans will agree with this, is Sam Johnson. You know, he had a great first game uh, when we had that cup game against Spurs away. Even well, even though we lost, but he looked, looked very solid. He just seems to. He's made a couple of gaffes. Um, given away, to be honest, a few direct goals uh, that we would have you know, either won games or at least drawn them had he played a little bit better. Um so he's the kind of disappointment one. But um again, a kind of a long answer to say, I I almost think it's a little bit too too early to tell, really, until kind of Bruce finds out what his, what his preferred starting eleven is.
1: Yeah, moving on to Newcastle now. We've we've only had one game uh, this week as well. We've not played uh, over the weekend. We we got Villa tomorrow night. Uh, the the game we played was against Norwich away from home. Uh, we started well, got the goal within the first minute, and from that point, I thought we were gonna gonna cling on to it because we, we don't really give up leads away from home. We've only done it once this season, and that was at Villa Park. So I thought I thought we would we would hold on and get another you know crucial three points, and it would have been very good, especially as you know Brighton drop points. But it wasn't that. But it wasn't the B. We 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 can see the two sloppy goals really. The first one was was a mistake from Lascelles. Uh, just just a couple of days after I gave him a little praise last weekend for his performance against Wolves, he he, he didn't have a great game. He he was muscled a bit too easily by Cameron Jerome, uh, and then it was sort of a simple finish for Murphy. And then just a few minutes later, Darlow made. I think most people will have seen it by now. Probably one of the worst goalkeeping errors I've ever seen. He just completely. Didn't kick the ball at all, and just let Cameron Jerome go in and score. It was probably the easiest goal of his career. I mean, there was a chance that Cameron Jerome could have missed that because we know he's like, but it was too easy for even him to miss. And we went two one down, and and from that point, it was I I thought we might struggle because Norwich are in good form. We're not very good when we go 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 behind. I think we've only come back to win once. a Season, uh, I don't think they're the coming back to draw. Stuff to be much better than that either. So, but we we played really well, and, and I think we had twenty shots to, to Norwich's eight. We hit the uh, woodwork twice, had one cleared off the line, and then uh, finally got back in the game for LaSalle, Who scored a nice goal uh, towards the end of the second half. And there was, a, there was a couple of chances after that, uh, after that for us to go and win it, but we didn't take them. But, but for an overall performance, I, I think it was probably one of our better performances in recent weeks. But we just didn't. We just had those two mistakes, and you can't you can't compensate for those. You know, if if somebody scores a great goal against you for, for sort of thirty yards, you can't do anything about that. It's the same with a mistake. Everybody's going to make mistakes at some point. We were just unfortunate. We had two in the same game. Um, but to, to go away to Norwich. Who, who we were one of the final teams at the time, and get that result, was that it wasn't the worst result, especially as Brighton dropped points to switch at home. I think that, that's probably a worse result than the one we got. Um, we're now down to second because Brighton won yesterday, but we, we're still sitting pretty strong, I'd say. Uh, lead dropping points was a good thing for us. Uh, a lot of the teams play each other around us, so that picture at the top should become a lot clearer. I think Huddersfield are the only team I'm... I'm quite concerned about and their result against city over the weekend although it means they have to play an extra game it will have given them a bit of a bit of a boost as well and, and kept that momentum going so it'll be interesting to see what they do i think i think they've got reading on tuesday so that's going to be an interesting one at the top but yeah apart from that there's not been too much going on at newcastle um there's there's more talk about benitez as there ever is uh that the the Venga stuff he's been uh, linked to arsenal but i don't think that that's something that will happen um and today there's there's talk that he's already planning what he wants to do in the summer, so it's, it's clear that there's still issues to be resolved, but it seems to be looking a lot better than it was a couple of weeks ago when, when there was talk of him signing and things like that. So that is good news for us. But just to, just to move into the topics for today... Uh, I just want to ask each of you about the managers at your club at the moment, and sort of your views on them, because I I know um, Paul, you've talked about Johnson and sort of the the mixed views within the fan base, and and I'm sure there's similar yeah. views at Villa now with with Steve, especially as he's uh, a former Birmingham manager. So it's not are you, Paul, and just talk us through your views on Johnson at the moment and what you think can 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 happen.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, not huge amounts changed, I guess, since I think last time I was on. I think you know, it's been slowly an increasing groundswell of people wanting him out. I think most feel he's not up to it at this level or not experienced enough yet. You know, He may well become a good manager and he's apparently talked about quite highly in terms of his coaching ability and, and how he organizes stuff. But, but I think the main issue, and we've seen it even in the... We talked earlier about the upturn in form. We're still conceding lots of goals and that's what we we've been doing it all season and it doesn't look like anything's changing if that makes, yeah, if that makes sense. I don't understand how they're not thinking about organising themselves differently or doing different work off the ball or whatever it might be. It just doesn't seem to improve whoever we've got playing and whatever sort of formation we play. And I think we're we're not bad on the ball. We've been certainly better the last four or five games on the ball. We've pressed forward more. I mean, the, the first 50, 55 minutes at Derby. I, mean, I, I didn't go, but my mum and dad go everywhere. My dad said it was the best he's seen to play in years. I mean, it was that good. We were we were awesome at there, apparently, and played some superb football. And then we just lost it again, you know? And it, When we're off the ball, we don't seem to be able to organise ourselves to defend. We don't seem to know what to do. And we, If we don't put enough players back, we get caught short. If we get too many players back, they stand on each other's toes and cause themselves problems. It's really, yeah ultimately how long can you give a manager if he's not sorting that sort of major issue out i think you almost forget results to a certain extent if he's not doing the basics on the training ground and he's not got the coaching staff in place to improve that sort of organization it's you know even if we had an upturn in results now unless he changes that that's never going to change is it and I, i think that's part of the issue a lot of people have got is they just don't see anything changing even if we have a little run of results even have have a few wins or whatever it's you know how how is that going to be any different going forward because he doesn't seem to have any inclination to change the way we do things for one reason or another
1: yeah i've, I've just looked at the table uh quickly and, and it doesn't look great for bris to say I, mean, I did think you were in that bad of a position as the one you were in especially as um uh you know you started the season so well but I guess that run of results has gone against you do you think the relegation is a real possibility I mean Wigan are the team that I'd be concerned about out of the teams in that relegation zone
2: yeah Uh, Wigan Wigan certainly ones I talked about last week then Burton go and beat Norwich at weekend and you know they're suddenly within I'm not sure a point or two of us and you know we at no point the season have I really thought we're going to go down I I think we've got Good, too good a team to go down. We've got goals in us. We're scoring, yeah, We are scoring goals. We've got some pacey attacking midfielders when we choose to use them and play in that way. But we're not picking up enough points. You know, we we are. I think the last fifteen games we've got eight points or something like that. And you know, there's been a slight uptick in that in the last couple of weeks. But nothing. Say, take out Rotherham one out of that is almost an outlier. You know, if you if you want to look at statistics like that, but. It's, uh, you know, you just don't see where the wins are coming from, but you know, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll go and say go up to St. James next weekend and win and go to Villa Park and win. And suddenly, you know, two wins and we'll be in a much, much better position. It's a funny, funny league and you never know what might happen. That wouldn't
1: surprise me if that did happen. It, it, just, uh, just quickly before we move on to Villa, what, what, what would it have to, what would it take for for Johnson to lose his job? Do you think it would be falling into that bottom three? Do you think that is where sort of the line would be drawn?
2: Well, yeah, I think that's a big question. I think there's a lot of a, a lot of a more disillusioned fans are kind of resigned to fact now that he's going to stay, whatever, and he's going to take us down. And because Steve Land's down the owner, he is a friend of the Johnson family, still in touch with Gary Johnson. He, he loved Light Lee and got on well with Lee when he was here. I think a lot of fans think he's just going to stick with him, whatever. And well, I, I really can't see that. He, he made a statement about three or four weeks ago about getting behind the club and everyone's working together, all this sort of usual stuff you hear. It wasn't quite a vote of confidence. He didn't name Johnson specifically, which was, I thought was really interesting. I think probably not to put that pressure on him. Um, but there was a line he said in it, which was about, I've put a lot of money into this football club and I will I will protect my investment, which was, made me think, well, that, that's the line that, you know, if we look like we're going down, he, he there's no way he'll let, want us to go down. There's no way he'll just let that happen by not doing anything. And I think, yeah, a little, well, even yeah, you wonder even the home game against Villa, uh, sorry, against Fulham this week, ahead of those two big away games. You think if, we, if we lose that with those two away games up ahead, I think crikey, we are, we are in real strife. And yeah, difficult one. I think he would act if it carried on much longer. I really do.
1: Yeah, and, and Matt, moving on to Villain now, what are the sort of current views on Steve Bruce? Because, uh, I mean, the, the run of defeats don't look good, and, and it's connected to Birmingham as well, I guess. With with some supporters, not all that, that would have a bearing. Do, do you think that if it, that he loses against Newcastle, do you think the pressure will build?
3: I, I think unless we kind of go into some serious relegation strife, it's fine until the end of the season. Um, you get a few, you know, there's a few fans... You know, on social media, on phone ins, and things like that, saying that maybe it's time for another manager. But uh, I, I just go back to something I, you know, I said earlier: if, if Steve Bruce isn't the right manager for Villa, then 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 who is? I mean, I, th- I think the, uh, the the Birmingham link's not a big one, particularly only because he hasn't got come from there directly, and he's, you know, there's pre- plenty of um, plenty of time since since that happened. So I don't, I don't think that's anything anyone's holding it against him. Um, and I, I just, I, I just think it's, it's a little bit too hasty to think about sacking him, even though, you know, we're on a pretty dreadful, dreadful run of form. And, you know, once, and again, it could kind of go back to what I said before, once, you know, once he's got this settled formation, the settled starting at 11, I mean, if that doesn't work, then yeah, I think it's serious, serious trouble. But surely the only way can be up from here, although that's famous last words.
1: Yeah, but when I when I look at Villa, I I said I think I said it even last week or, or the week before that I thought the Villa were were the only favourites to win the the championship next season based on the signings they've made and Steve Bruce being there for an extra season and and having the preseason. Do you think that maybe that the next sort of few months should be used for him to find what his best team is, find any weaknesses, and then then just build up a little bit of confidence to finish the season on, and then next season that that's that's the place to go because I. He, I I think it would t- take someone remarkable to get to the playoffs this season.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, re- uh, <clears throat> playoffs now, I think, are way too way, way too far off. I think we're, you know, I don't know, the, the championship is relatively compact, but we're still, I think we're too many points, to, I think 12 points off the playoffs at the moment, even though we've got a couple of games in hand. So I, I think we do need to be looking at next season. But uh, I, I don't know, I, think, I, I don't think it's any gimme that Villa are going to be one of the favourites to get promoted next season. You got, you, there's a few factors with that. You know, one is the financial thing because the, the teams coming down this season get parachute, way bigger parachute payments from the new broadcast deal, which means that they're you know, by definition, they can spend way more cash on, on players. Um, Villa, you know, t- Tony Gia has come in and already spent. You know, I, I hate to think how much it's, it's got to be a championship record for. How much money has been spent on a team, both in the summer transfer window and the and the January one? Um, but I do, but I do agree with you. I th- I think we've 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 got a, a solid squad of championship players that should be you know threatening at the top end f- for sure. Um, it's just just going to just gotta try and try and find out what that team is that that will that will get us promotion next
1: season. I think I think you're right. Yeah, and, and moving on to Newcastle briefly, uh, I discussed with Benitez's tactics a bit last week, but I, I think the thing that he, he's done the best of all uh, since he's come in is you're is in the club. Uh, I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again. The, the club is in such a great position at the moment. You So uh, the match against Derby, the, the Holmes fans are great. There was there was flags, a great atmosphere. And it hasn't been like that at Newcastle for for a long time, they talk about the atmosphere at Newcastle, but the, the truth is, it hasn't been great. at St. Like James Park; it's pretty easy to to quiet in the crowd before. But but Benitez, but, and it has been like that a few times this season. But Benitez came out before the derby game. It was around the time that sort of all the stories were coming up about his future, and he said that we need the fan, the fans behind us if we're gonna if we're gonna go and win promotion, and the, and the fans responded. And a lot of managers can't do that with their fan bases. Like Benitez has the Newcastle. Fan- base exactly where he wants them and, and it's a good thing it's, I think it's a great thing because the fans uh, are one of probably Newcastle's greatest assets and if he's correctly then we can do things uh, the, the the thing he's done well is played the politics uh, Mike Ashley was uh, there was always going to be problems between Benitez and Ashley he's, he's not an easy person to work for but he is using the fans to strengthen his own case and it, it, it will get to the point if the atmosphere is like that every single week uh, at St James' Park and the away fans are, 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 are like they normally are that's only going to lead to Benitez getting what he wants in the summer because Mike the, he's done a lot of things but he can't get he can't not give Benitez what he wants the risk of losing Benitez if we got promoted and we lost Benitez I think we would be back in the championship within a year and then we wouldn't be able to get back up after that because we see Norwich and Villa as a struggle safe haven it's not easy to do what Benitez has done at Newcastle you could talk about the money you could talk about the stadium the size of the club whatever but it's not easy to get a team to, to the top of the championship straight after relegation any any other championship season i would say brighton would be running away with this league uh, and i think a lot of people would agree with that i, I think they're probably the best one of the best championship teams in in recent years uh, and the fact that newcastle are keeping up with them and not only keeping up with them but are ahead of them just shows what a great job benitez has done i, I can't speak more, well enough of that That man, he's done a great job, and anyone who thinks that he should have done better, like certain
2: owners of football clubs they are wrong, but
1: we'll, we'll move you, on to a topic Do
2: you think there's a danger, Jake, that uh, bear in mind you've now come down what, twice in what it is, 8 eight, ten years and gone straight back up as sort of, well possibly gone straight back up as champions both times, there's a danger that your fan base almost becomes a bit blasé about that, and thinks, oh it doesn't matter if we go down, we'll come straight back up
1: I, I think it's true of some sections of the, the, the uh, fan base. I think all all fan bases have sex, different yeah. sections of support. You know, the te- people that come on Twitter after a loss or a draw and, and say that, uh-huh. just to use Newcastle as an example, that we're not... Going to go up. I mean, that's crazy. But I think I think most of them are realistic. I I think the thing about the relegation last season was if if we end up kept Benitez, a lot of a lot of a lot of supporters sort of had their had their had they'd had it with Newcastle. They they weren't going to they weren't going to pay to go away. They weren't going to pay to to, go to all the games. It's a lot of the sort of prominent fan accounts on Twitter and, and sort of blogs and things saying similar things. And it's Benitez that has kept them with the club. So I think. If we did it again, it, it, I, I think that we wouldn't go back up. But mm. I, it, I mean, there, there was a, there's a little bit, a lot of the, there's, there's some Newcastle fans that just think we should be running away of the championship this season, and yeah. they come out after every defeat and sort of poor scorn on what's been going on. But I mean, I, I think on the whole, Newcastle fans are realistic. We, we, I don't think we expected to, to, to run away of the league at all this season or at least the majority but yeah I'll, I'll, just moving on to the, to the next topic something I've been wanting to talk about for a couple of weeks now and we just not got around to it it's the TV sort of the media coverage of the championship it's something that I've noticed that it's not that well covered um, I mean having teams like Villa and Newcastle they, they're covered I mean, quite well still, mainly because of, you know, how big they are in that local area. But overall, I think the league is sort of undervalued and it's not covered too well. The, the programme on Channel 5 isn't great. Um, live coverage on Sky is a million miles behind what it is for the Premier League. I just want to know what what you think of the coverage and what changes you'd make in the future. Is it, cause there's, us, there's been people who've come on here before. I can't quite remember who it was, but they've... Talked about how they think they could potentially become Premier League two in the future, which would probably be the most awful thing to happen to it, but or, or the greatest thing to happen to it, depending on on what you want from the league. But just want to know your, your thoughts on how it's covered and and sort of what changes you'd like to see implemented. so you go? Uh,
2: yeah, I guess for me it might be a slightly different angle as opposed to a you know Newcastle Villa fan who used to the coverage of getting a Premier League I. I think think we've got to remember it's the second league in the country and I think we probably get as good coverage as any second league anywhere in in Europe but when I talk coverage I'm talking live games I think you're right I think you know it's very much sky second string you can see that with what we have in terms of presenters and, and people there I think what's really missing is that in insight more so you get games great but you don't get the insight you don't get you know it'd be nice to have a Sort of magazine type show on, you know, before and after the week weekend, and maybe it is, but I miss it. I don't know. But nothing stands out for me. A chance to really get into it more and talk to talk to the clubs. But yeah, I've having been in League One, the Championship's not bad at all. I can tell you that. It's uh, you know, you do really, really not get anything in League One other than a odd live match, and you know, you come up to a Championship, you get well, we get five six games this year probably, um, and. Yeah, I just say, I think you don't get that. You don't get any detailed look. You don't get a, a, a review of a promotion race or a, you know focus on a six team down the bottom and anything like that. That you maybe do get on Five Live. Um, I think Five Live are quite good at trying to do it, but even they're more and more focused on the Premier League. You know, understandably. Um, but they they do have yeah you know, the guys you know can talk about the football league and whether you like him or or loathe him. You get someone like Steve Claridge on the TV and the radio. He does know his stuff. He knows his clubs. He knows people in the game, he knows what people are about, and you don't get the sort of semi-educated, you know, probably Twitter-researched uh, commentators you do on, on some of the Sky stuff. So yeah, for me, not not too bad, I, I, but I, got, yeah, I can understand what you're trying to say in terms of it doesn't get a lot covered, but it is the second tier. Yeah,
1: yeah, Matt. I guess you're you're going to have some interesting thoughts on on the media coverage, considering sort of your background in sports business uh, journalism and things like that. What 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 do you think of the coverage compared to the Premier League? And what do you think of the sort of some people thinking it could become like a Premier League Two in the future? Because a lot of the clubs in the Championship have played in the Premier League, so there there is an opportunity to do something like that. I guess whether it would be popular or not is another thing.
3: Yeah, I'm I was, <laughs> a bit like what Paul said. You know, I think
1: it's great. I don't think I've
3: had, known a time where they're on TV more than they are at the moment. <laughs> so, so it's great for me. Um, in and all, in all seriousness, I guess it just comes down to an interesting. I mean, at least you know, with the Premier League, people who aren't fans of the two teams are playing probably tune in because you know, because it's the Premier League, because of the attention it gets, because of the quality of football, because of the superstars in it, because of the media coverage around it. it just gets so much buzz that people are. People are drawn in. Yet championship games. I could be completely wrong about this, but my, my instinct is that people who are just fans of the teams get watch them, and hence why Villa and Newcastle get showed more is because of the, their big fan bases. Um, yeah. and that gets that gets, that, gets good, that gets the good audiences. Um, I think. I mean, yeah, and I have covered this area. My uh, my understanding is, and an exclusive for your podcast that the the football league is looking to try and uh, do give an offering where. Across the football league, you can you can watch the games streamed live through the a like through, through a club subscription. Mm. Um, so outside outside of the the matches that are on TV, so so I think I, I mean I know that's definitely something they're looking at. I um, mean that, that comes with all kinds of issues like, well illegal streaming for one, um, but it's it's just a reaction to uh, to I guess I guess I guess to demand that people want to watch their own games and not necessarily other ones in the in the championship.
2: I think that links a little bit, actually, Matt. Um, I, I think when we talk to each other on Twitter, as we do, we're, we're all very much avid football fans, and I think we would, you know, I, I would sit and watch, you know, i picture doing Fulham B. Blackburn on a Friday night if I was in. You know, I wouldn't maybe go out of my way, but I would sit and watch it because I'm a big football fan. But I saw, um, I think it's sort of semi-linked, I saw a guy who used to produce Match of a Day on Twitter the other day, week talking about Man United always being on the FA Cup on Sweden has become a bit of a long-standing joke and he made a really good point where he said Sky get 800,000, 900,000 viewers so yes you see them every week if you've got Sky and if you watch football they get 8 million when they put them on BBC because it's about 7 million people who don't normally get a chance to see Man United play and I thought that's a fair argument I can see that and then unfortunately, they simply wouldn't get anything like these viewing figures if they put I'll pick a tie, who's played, you know, a, a two championship clubs playing each other on in the cup. It just wouldn't happen as, as much as it might look like an appealing one. And I can sort of see it. there's a wider public out there, the guys that do only watch an hour of football a week on match of day. You actually want to see the big clubs all the time. And it's the same in a championship, obviously. It's Newcastle, Villa, Leeds. I can understand, although it's a bit frustrating at times, and you get a bit of a chip on our shoulder about it, but you can understand why they do it because it's all about advertising. And it's all about viewers, and that's why they do it.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and there's, I think there's another element here where, uh, and I think maybe we're kind of the wrong generation to be talking about this, you know, because we, you know, we are football fans and we're used to watching Match of the Day and we're used to watching even games on Sky. But you know, kids, kids these days, uh, you know, and I'm in my 30s now, so I can, you know, it makes me feel old saying this, but kids, you know, they don't consume media in the way that that we do. You know, they barely even watch fo- full football games. No. Um, and, and so they're thinking, you know, all these, uh, kind of organizations like the Premier League, like the, like the EFL, they're, they're having to think differently about it. It's not just a case of, you know, showing more football games or whatever. They've got to think about how they can, how they can do it. Is it about, um, showing, cl- just, you know, showing clips of things? Is it about, you know, all types, all types of different things. You know, there was, um, I mean, this may not be of interest to the whole listenership, but, um the commissioner of the nba said a couple a couple of months ago that he was considering this subscription for basketball fans where you'd only get the last five minutes of the game because that's the exciting bit and that's the way they think actually you know kids you know kids don't care about the first kind of you know hour and a half of the match they just want to see when it starts getting exciting so i think there's there's also an element to that um and there's no easy answer unfortunately
1: yeah, to, to go off that, I get I guess a good example of something similar it, with the championship is is the midweek goal shows they do on Sky. They you know the, the the soccer Saturdays or soccer specials, whatever you want to call them. They they show just the goals for the championship. So so they keep track of the games, but they show the goals as soon as they go in. And, and I think it's programs like that that could become maybe the more you know normal in the in the future uh, rather than just watching four matches um one thing i want to mention about what newcastle have done quite well this season uh, only over the last few weeks but they have done it and i think it's it's a good thing that maybe all football league clubs or or championship clubs especially should should try and implement is to to upload the whole 90 minutes after after (laughs) a game i'm not sure how many clubs do this i know fulham do it because russ who comes on a lot has spoken about it but i think that's a really good thing to do because the championship is, is a difficult league to to follow to sort of watch every game uh, if you're not you know local or things like that and, and I know there's a lot of fans in a, in America for certain clubs there's a lot of fans, even in the championship and I think something like that is good and maybe that should become
2: you know I, I think that, again places. it's that's maybe a Newcastle thing Jake I think rather than general potentially I mean I know we've tried a couple of times and done the ninety minutes thing and I know the listening figures for one of the games we put on recently were well I'm not going to say a number because I might not be allowed to say a number, but it was unbelievably low, um, and I think it's certainly sort of. I mean, if you pick the right game, if you pick a thriller or a you know great comeback win or something, you you might get more game. I think a lot of the clubs, if you want to go, you go. I think that yeah, there's always going to be pockets of fans who live away or do whatever, you know can't go for some reason. But I think one thing as well, I miss. I think the clubs with social media are becoming more and more active, and I think that's almost what's needed because yeah, I don't really want. Them to the greatest respect, I don't know what Fulham and Blackburn and Huddersfield and anyone else are up to particularly, I sort of see a little bit and, uh, you know, I get what I see, but if your club's doing more, I know Bristol City started doing a lot more around Facebook Live, so they announced, I can't believe I didn't mention this one earlier, Matty Taylor signing on transfer deadline day, they announced on Facebook Live and had a reach of over 2 million in the space of two days, which is just phenomenal for something news out of our club and just shows, I think, that you know, it was live on Facebook before anything else, with a video revealing his medical and him in the dressing room. And that sort of thing is, I think, where the clubs really are going to spend a lot more of their time focusing on, much more of their internal media time focusing on that sort of social media, video, live-type stuff, which really does then add some value into your club and your, you know, the insight into what they're doing.
0: Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and
1: Yeah, a lot of good points made by both of you there. It's, it's interesting. I guess my view sort of more on a Premier League thinking, uh, and I don't sort of consider that some of the other clubs in the league. But um, it's definitely something. It's going to be interesting to see how it develops in football as a whole, not just in the Championship. I, I see Facebook are going to start streaming Spanish games. You know, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes and whether maybe TV channels will become obsolete in the some point I mean, it's possible, but um, yeah. yeah we'll, ju- we'll move on. We'll move on to player watching now. I just want to ask each of you uh, a player that played well and, and disappointed in your in your class, most recent fixture. This normally works better when you have had a weekend game, but we'll talk about the weekend, uh, the week game, as that seems to be the, the most recent one for, for all of us. So we'll start with you, Paul, who, who sort of impressed and disappointed in uh, in your match against Leeds.
2: Ooh. so so it's a bit of a funny performance, no? We didn't. We didn't feel like we played that well or that badly. It's all a bit, it's all a bit middling and a bit nothingy. And until Leeds sort of got two up and sat back a little bit, we didn't. We then got some pressure on. Um, who played well? I think Matty Taylor signed. I said he's added some real tenacity up front that we probably haven't had this season with, with Tomlin and Tammy Abraham mainly up front. I think Tammy's done a fantastic job, obviously knocking in the goals, but it, you know isn't necessarily about terrier type forward to go and harass defenders and cause some problems. I think he came on after about half an hour when Tammy actually went off injured, Matt Taylor, and you know, just, just got around the defence a bit and put them under some pressure. Um I think Hegler, again in midfield was had a had a good game. Um I think no one had a particularly bad game, I wouldn't say. I don't think, you know, you could maybe point at the centre backs for one or two of their goals, but I say one one was a foul and the other one was a deflection, so a bit unlucky as well. Um certainly on just, just go back a few days to the weekend game. I know we, we, we're not touching on that a huge amount, but all three goals came down our wings, and we've, you know, I think everyone at the club knew we had to sign at least one fullback, if not for both sides, in the January window. And we signed five, six other players didn't seem to address the fullback position at all, which is where we've been weak all season. I think it's just another sign that maybe the, the you know, the manager and the, the staff aren't quite aware of where. Some of the deficiencies are, and that was really disappointing. It having gone three up, and an obvious position was being attacked down our left back, in particular, Scott Goldborn. And it, we just, again, we just didn't change anything. We didn't, we didn't tuck anyone in to help him out. We didn't make him sit 10 yards back. We didn't, you know we just didn't do anything about it to stop it happening. And unfortunately, uh, obviously, culminated in us losing a three goal lead and only picking up a point.
1: Yeah. And Matt, who sort of impressed or, or disappointed mainly, I guess, in, in your defeat against Barnsley?
3: Uh, plenty disappointed uh, as you can probably imagine um, I think it's so kind of interesting to hear um, Paul's view I think. I mean Jonathan Codger obviously went to the African Cup of Nations uh, for kind of two or three weeks so obviously you know we were going to miss him He's come back. he scored he scored a couple of goals scored a couple of you know really good goals and so, so he's you know he's, he's there he's always going to be a threat he just misses a shed load of chances did, did he do that? yeah uh,
2: Does that ring any bells, Paul? Yeah, I, think, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or on a blog preview at the start of the season, but I said, you know, he genuinely could have scored 40 or 50 goals last year without a shadow of doubt. You know, if it, the number of chances he missed was unbelievable and he still scored 20 odd. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask, is he playing up front for you or out wide? How's he shaping in? Uh, he's, um, he started
3: off out wide. Um, but then, <clears throat> can't remember where that was. Uh, I can't remember when he signed for us. Whether that was under Di Matteo. But yeah, he started. He started off at wide, and now he, mm. now he kind of is either played up top on his own in a kind of uh, you know, with almost two wingers next to him, or yeah. he's played. Or, or actually, now he's playing up front with uh, Hogan in a in a kind of four four two in the last couple yeah. of games. Uh, um, um, but we uh, I think that he's got he's got a good partnership with Albert Adoma who. He's he's one he's, he's is one of the players who's you know having a bit bit of a run in the team you know came from came from middles for a good championship pedigree yeah, he was great for us as well great right, he's, he's um I I was really, I was a little bit skeptical about him at first but now I think he's when he gets into a bit of a groove and he, he played he played really well against Barnsley you know what we well, <laughs> I know we lost three one at home but he was uh, he he looks dangerous and if he you know I guess if if he can whip in enough crosses and enough uh, kind of slide rule passes to Codger then he's going to convert
2: Yeah, some of them <laughs> if, hopefully if he can if he can stay on side he, he used to get offside quite a lot oh, last year
3: really? as well <laughs> um, so, so I guess that those two um, two I'd
1: pick out <clears throat> are playing well anyway yeah yeah, and for Newcastle, uh, easy to pick out the t- two that disappointed this week, although there are caveats to both. I, I mean, we lost that game because of two errors, and they came from Jamal LaSalle and Carl Darlow, so it's easy for me to pick those two out. I think LaSalle scored the, scored the equaliser, so redeemed redeemed what well, his overall performance was not great. Um, and then... Carl Darlow has been excellent all season, but made that one mistake, which looked horrendous. So I, it's difficult not to pick him out uh, 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 uh somebody that disappointed. Although I will say, I, I don't think that it was entirely his fault uh, you know, that, that we drew the game. And maybe we should, uh, well, of course it was his fault. But I mean, like we should criticise him and get ahead of ourselves too much because he, he's played so well for most season and we got people talking about dropping him already which seems ridiculous he he made a mistake every keeper does it every now and again get behind him. he's, he's probably our only keeper that could become our number one in the long term so just just let him just let him keep going at it and i'm sure he's learned a lot from it even if it did cost us a couple of points but played well deandre yedlin was probably our best performer um when we signed him i was a bit skeptical um Mainly because, um, from what I heard about him at Spurs, I, I know Kevin, uh, who hosts the Premier League uh, show, uh, was talking uh, to me around the time or uh, about how when he went to Spurs, he, like that the the, the, uh, the players just didn't know why he was there. They thought he. He's- like sort of like a lottery winner and what, what he was doing at a football club like Spurs like if if you want a raffle to train with Spurs for a day that was the type of player Yedlin was and he literally had no understanding of, of sort of the tactical sides and things like that so it's been interesting to see how how, how much he's developed since then because For me, I'd say he's probably one of the best fullbacks in the championship, if not the best on his day. He offers a lot of attack going forward. He's got ridiculous pace, which I guess is probably why he's a professional footballer in the first place, for his athleticism. And his final ball has got a lot better. He gets a lot of assists, a lot of goals and things like that. well, not goals, but a lot of assists, it creates a lot of chances. Uh, a lot all our play goes down our right hand side, and his, his sort of influence in that is is incredible. He, he was very good against Norwich, unplayable at times, and it, it shows the added value that Benitez can have as a coach. He, he can make a player, you know, go, he, can, he can add that tactical side, he can add sort of make them better mentally, and use he use the attributes to, to, to make them the best player possible. And that is exactly why having a manager like Benitez carries so much weight, because he will improve players, and Yedlin is a testament to that. I think if we go up next season, he will be absolutely fine in the Premier League. Uh, and, and maybe last season with Sunderland, he was not that great. So it's been interesting to see how he's developed, and hopefully that can continue. Um but before we wrap up today, I just want to quickly preview our matches in the in the week. We I guess we're catching up on the games that we missed. So we, we'll start with you, Paul, and um, Fulham, uh, Fulham at home. How how do you see that one
2: going? Yeah, so Fulham, was the game we we're supposed to be playing this weekend, So we, we arranged it pretty quickly. I think quite clever by the club as well. We had a run of four away games otherwise at um, Derby, Leeds, Newcastle, Villa. So to slot a home game in, in theory, should work for us. I think, yeah, we've got a chance. We keep saying, we've only... They're not losing games in a big way. They're also doing well. But probably our performance of the season until last weekend was out at Fulham in September. We absolutely destroyed them and won 4-0 at Craven Cottage. And everything looked rosy at that point. Um, and I think you know, saw today a little bit. We we pressed them down the flanks with pace that day and really attacked their full-backs who do like to get forward. And if you know, watch them against Spurs today, I mean, they had a similar issue, actually. Their fullbacks were getting a bit getting a bit lost in uh, in where we should be on the pitch. So hopefully we can take similar sort of tactics in, and we, we desperately, desperately need a win. We really do. So I, I wouldn't be predicting that. I mean, one, one in whatever it is, 12, 15 games, but um we do desperately need it.
1: Yeah, and then tomorrow night, it's uh, Newcastle against Aston Villa. Uh, so so me, me and Matt coming head-to-head in this one. I will, I will start off with this. I, I think that... It, if you're looking at the form book and everything else that, to look at the season stats and whatnot, Newcastle should be winning this game. We, you know, we we've won one of the best forms uh, in the league at the moment. I think we've won three and drawn two of our last five matches, which isn't bad by all accounts and the two draws probably should have been wins so it's you know we we had a poor period around Christmas and we've we've now come out of that and we're playing really well again and I and I think it's going to be the first I said this the last three weeks but I'm pretty sure this week I will be right it's going to be the first time Dwight Gale and Georgia Shelby started since uh December or maybe maybe a little bit earlier than that and we've only we've not lost a game when both of them have started since August so yeah, they they both they played them. We were in great form, when they were both on the pitch. And then Shelby got his ban, Gale got his injury, but Dwight Gale is is an inc- probably the best, he, probably you know yeah one of the best championship strikers in recent years. He, he did well at Peterborough. Yeah, he got had a good goal record with them. Has done even better with Newcastle, which I guess is to be understandable uh, considering he's more experienced and Newcastle are a, a bigger bigger team or you know a better team than Peterborough were when they were in in the championship. So. I think that his return. I think he'll. Call, I'm. I'm sure the Villa defence aren't going to be full of confidence. So Gail's movement and Shelby's sort of creativity should be enough to get us a win. I. I. I think Gail will probably score in this one. But there's also the thinking that Aston Villa can't keep losing games. Like I think their team is too good to keep losing. If if they can't get up for a game at St James's Park, like what are they going to get up for? It's a type of game that could sort of. You know, bring everyone back together, and, and and Steve Bruce would definitely be up for it. Considering you know he's in Geordie uh, and things like that, so I think we should win on paper. But because football is what football is, I can see Villa getting something from this game as well. So I'll, I'll predict a win, but it's not a, it's not a confident prediction. What are your what are your thoughts on, on on the game, Matt?
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd tend to agree with you. I think uh, I mean you've got to be favourites going into that, and you've you know you've got to be wanting to beat Villa at home. Considering how bad we've been away from home in the past, well, kind of two two months or so. Um, I, I, one of the things that you know, I agree with you completely. I mean, Shelby and Gale, you know, they pose a real threat to us. Particularly Gale. I mean, I wish Villa had signed Gale um, when you, when Newcastle did. He was he would have been the perfect striker for us. Um, our defence, <clears throat> you know, sounds like a strange strange thing to say, but our defence, you know, is is doing okay at the moment. I mean, as, as I say that out loud, I feel ridiculous, uh, because, you know, we, uh, you know, how bad we've been. Um, so I think they should be able to, to uh, you know, put up with his threat. I think he'll definitely get loads of chances. He'll have to take his chances for sure. Uh, one of the, uh, um, one of the things I didn't mention before is um, Yedinak is a player we've, we've really missed when he's been out injured uh, uh, for, for about a month or so. He's um, he, he's been, he's been a real loss for us because he's been that you know that central defensive. Midfielder who, Shelby. You know, if he's not playing, and it's kind of, he's fifty-fifty apparently at the moment. That's what that's what Bruce said in his last press conference. If if he's playing, it will be a massive boost a boost to Villa because he will be able to break down the play a little bit uh, and deal with you know the threat of Shelby going forward at least. Um, and <clears throat> and you're right. You know, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? But you got to hope that Villa do, you know, do pull pull a bit of form together it's got to start somewhere but i you know if i was going to put if i had to put if some gun to my head right to put my mortgage on something it would it would be a narrow newcastle win
1: uh, and with that we're now out, out of time for today's episode so if you guys just want to tell people we're going to reach you or any projects you're involved in now'll be a good time
2: i am paul binning bristol city fan and blogger i'm at the exiled robin on twitter and yeah, you can get me at Matty Cutler on
3: Twitter. I also run a podcast about, sorry, a podcast about the business of sport. Uh, hopefully my voice is a little bit more clear on that, uh, which is called SB Weekly, and you can find that at SB Weekly Podcast.
1: Yeah, you can get my Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends. I work for EPL Index and The Boot Room. But I uh, just want to thank Matt and Paul both for coming on today. It's been a good show, and we hope you guys keep listening.